Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Spotcast, episode 20. My name is Tim Mitchell and I'm in Toronto, Ontario. I'm joined once again by Hyman Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we have Jonathan Kuline over there in Mr. and Mrs. Saga. Mr. Ontario. and Mrs. That's where we keep the Mr. and Mrs. All right. Okay. So uh, as we start off every show, let's do some fact check. So over to you, Jonathan. Fact check. So uh, only a couple things last time. Uh, 358 in to mention the cigarette smoking man, cancer man from the X-Files. Uh, the actor's name is William B. Davis and he is a Toronto native. Ooh. Go Canada. And 1630, Nick Bacay provided the voice of Salem Saberhagen the cat on the sitcom Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Thank you both for very much for making me look that up. And uh, <laughs> he also reprised his role on the animated series. So he's oh, a yeah. two-time Salem Saberhagen the cat. Yeah, so he, that, he, was, a, he was a familiar voice. Did it, Was he not in other things? Did he have an IMDb, IMDb page or something? I, d- or? I did look at his IMDb page. I don't recall it off the top of my head right now, but it was, um, a, he was on a sitcom. Let me just look it right back up. I guess I could do that too while we're talking about it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. He was on Spirit of Age Witch. He, and he was just sort of a bit part actor. He was in lots of little things. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, you're right. Like that voice was, uh, I don't know if he was doing a voice. So it was supposed to sound oh, familiar. Maybe. But uh, right. yeah. Yeah, nothing that would knock your socks off. Well, let me see if anything knocks. Or oh, which which guy is this? Oh, there's, oh, here he is, this guy. The redhead. Wow. King of Queens. A couple episodes of the 70s show. Oh, he did a voice on the Angry Beavers, which is a kids show yeah no i'm thinking like it would have to have been before that because i mean why would he seem familiar to me <clears throat> it said he was on in living color maybe maybe but this is 90 oh video game 98 what year did he do this says he was in the Wait. smelly car episode of seinfeld jury duty murphy, murphy brown no he's only in one episode of murphy brown yeah who knows yeah, just it seems like a, just a working actor he's got you know lots yeah. of lots of credits and lots of different things i think i think playing the uh, the cat the the cat was his claim to fame so yeah his big break yeah i finally made it i'm on a sitcom yeah yeah, it, yeah it's kind of like brian cranston was another one of just those guys out there yeah yeah hustling working whatever jobs he could do until i guess a little bit of a minor you know breakout with um, malcolm in the middle and then of course the giant yeah. one with breaking bad yep so we'll see for uh, nick mckay here maybe he'll also have a breaking bad moment hey, that yeah, it's funny. Gilligan, nick mckay he's your guy yeah but it's funny like i was watching um uh he of course brian cranston was on the 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 uh, electric dreams episode mm-hmm. and i couldn't help like when he was 
making breakfast for the lady in that show, I couldn't help like thinking, Walt's making breakfast, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It's so familiar, right? This uh, apparently is the 10th anniversary of Breaking Bad, if you can believe it or not, 2018. Yeah, they've been replaying them on uh, on the Netflix, I think, or no, maybe on on uh, Netflix, but I think maybe AMC might might have been Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I think that show's worth it a second watch. It's so good. Yeah, I wonder how many people are like sitting there binging it right now kind of thing. Weird. All right. Anyway, let's get to our follow-up. Follow-up. So lots of uh, lots of little tidbits this week. Uh, first piece of news, Deadpool 2 has been moved up. So we, we talked a couple weeks ago about uh, different movies and when they're coming out, things we're looking forward to. I think all three of us were pretty on board for Deadpool 2, uh, especially after right. such an awesome first one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was supposed to be June 1st. They moved it up by two weeks. So it's coming out on May 18th. Um, they've also, this is Fox, that is the, uh, the studio behind this. They've also moved uh, a couple other pictures. They've moved uh, the New Mutants, which was supposed to be April 13th. Now it's coming out February 22nd of 2019. And uh, the long-delayed Gambit movie that has been in development hell for a few years, Gambit being one of the X-Men, uh, is pushed back from next February to June. Now that movie's been in development hell, as I said, for a couple of years. So I'll believe that one when I see it. Uh, Channing Tatum is apparently supposed to be the star of, uh, of Gambit. All right. Hmm. And... Channing Tatum as, as Gambit, huh? Like yeah. uh, the the other dude who I also recognized from uh, so Wolverine Origins. I can't remember where Gambit came out before. In the, yep, in, yeah, in the that's X-Men. right. Yeah, but that dude was kind of okay. I, I guess the quintessential Gambit for me is the look and sound of the voice actor. Um, so the look from the animated series and the sound of the voice actor from the X-Men animated series. Yeah. With its... Uh, uh, yeah, sort of I guess it's not really racist. Accent. It's just like, very, yeah, very stereotypical uh, Bayou kind of accent. <laughs> I wonder if we'll be hearing that from uh, Channing Tatum next year, should this movie finally ever get made. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, our next bit of news, uh, mm-hmm. DC, uh, who is having a very quiet year at the box office this year, only one movie coming out, Aquaman, not till December. Uh, they've set a 2019 release date, April 5th, 2019, for their Shazam movie. Uh, Zachary Lev- Levi Levi is playing uh, uh, the hero. And the uh, bad guy is the guy from um, all those Guy Ritchie movies. I just heard his name today. Um, oh, Mark Strong. Yeah. Mark Mark Strong, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that's great. I, I like him a lot. I think he's a great actor. Am I yeah. correct in thinking they were also going to do a Black Adam movie? They they did say a while ago, that, and The Rock has been attached to that. Dwayne Johnson's been attached to that for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, there's sort of quiet rumors going, persistent rumors going on the internet that uh, that he will turn up in this picture, even though, uh, as, as Tim said, Mark Strong has been cast as, as uh, the bad guy. So it'd be interesting to see how that turns itself around or whether they're going to try and connect that to some other DC property at some point point or i don't know it, it always seemed a little bit far-fetched they were going to do a black adam standalone movie when he's sort of the villain but right. so i always think of shazam as that um that black comedian that i met at Macworld one year but it's not the same guy right uh, like shazam is the yellow tighted guy that kind of holds his hand in the air and goes shazam is that the one uh yeah oh. red red with gold yeah yeah, yeah from the lightning cartoon bolt on series, his chest. Yeah? yeah yeah i think so yeah, yeah it's a little it's supposed to be a little kid who uh is imbued with magic powers and turns into this mighty strong man who's in a adult so it's supposed to be the kid inside the adult body kind of like ultraman right yeah 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 very much yeah yeah billy billy batson i think is the little kid's character name and yep. uh, the character that he becomes is technically captain marvel if i'm not mistaken uh yep. and shazam is the both the, word. i think the wizard keyword, right? that he uh invokes who gave him the power and and also the, uh, the catchphrase he uses to turn himself into captain marvel yep yeah it's uh yeah. of course the result of a lawsuit that uh prevented them from being able to use the name 
behind Captain Marvel. Marvel has a very long time not been interested in having them use that name. And so DC uh, finally relented, uh, I assume, under penalty of uh, law a few years ago and decided to just start using Shazam as the character name because it was just much easier than getting uh, getting back into courts over a character name. Uh, Marvel, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, didn't you guys say there's a Captain Marvel character that's a female? There is. The well, there was a long franchise? time male character named Captain Marvel and then uh, he famously died in a comic book in the 19... Oh, I'm going to say 80s, that Those was. Those comic books are dangerous, man. I don't know why people are in them. And uh, it died of cancer. It was really... It was one of those interesting stories where they decided to kill off a character in a very unconventional way, which uh, that was a real big sort of... Um, big turning point in that sort of doing things differently in comic books in the 1980s. But they, they killed him off and then years later they uh, they gave the moniker to a different character who was Ms. Marvel for a while and became Captain Marvel because it was frankly demeaning to have a character named Ms. Marvel. Yeah. See, now, now, Jaime, now you see why I say you'd never want to play Star Wars Trivial Pursuit with Jonathan. Because <laughs> he wipes the floor up with you. Yeah, All probably. Right. Uh, there's, there's a few people who could who could get me in comic book trivia uh, from that era yeah. anyways, but, uh, but mm-hmm. not a lot. Uh, not on this show. <laughs> yeah, not on this show. Um, another uh, returning show. So we've got a uh, return date for Star Wars Rebels. Star Wars Rebels is going to be back on the air uh, later in February, the 24th. Uh, of course, this they is only like have... the second season ending part or something? Or... Yeah, so this is the second half of their fourth season, and this is down to the last uh, handful of episodes. Um, so as we talked about last week, there's still a lot of internet speculation as to whether they'll go some some nasty places and whether they'll start uh, wiping out characters and how they're going to set things up for, you know, uh, establishing where they are as of Rogue One and and uh, A New Hope and everything. So I'm really keen to see that one come back. I think that'll be that'll be very cool. I'm looking forward to the ending. Okay. Fear the Walking Dead also has a return date. So uh, the, they this is actually their season four, right, Tim? You're, you're still following along with the show. Season four? No, I think it's like six or seven. Uh, well, I'm oh. looking at Entertainment Weekly. Our good friends at Entertainment Weekly say season four. I think oh, it's Fear the Walking Dead. Oh, sorry. I'm getting them mixed up with The Walking Dead. Sorry. No, no. Yeah. It is season four. Yeah. Yeah. Fear the Walking Dead will return on Sunday, April 15th on AMC. Uh, and of course, this season will draw, I think, more than a few viewers over from the main show who may have uh, might have given it up previously because Lenny James yeah. is moving over, which is going to be a pretty interesting. Well, movie. I don't know if that's enough of a draw, to be honest with you, but but the uh, or unless people want to see how he ties in. But I mean, from the fans that I've talked to of the fear of both franchises, most of them are starting to come over to the walking the fear of the Walking Dead because um, the other one's getting a little tired, and who knows how long they're going to be able to run that one for, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of The Walking Dead, Walking Dead has been renewed for season nine because, of course, it was. Uh, they was kind of the no-brainer announcement, money, but they money, made it money, formal, money. so AMC's bringing that back for season nine. Uh, be interesting to see who's alive by the end of the season as they just uh, obviously uh, are killing off characters as they usually do. Uh, but yeah, season nine, of course, that was that was like a no-brainer. That The Simpsons, Simpsons is always coming back, so is Walking Dead. Uh, Amazon has announced they're renewing The Tick for season two. Uh, I watched the first bit. Uh, I haven't watched the second half of season one, but I watched the first half. Of, it was very funny and very well done. Very so better weird. than the, the the weird ABC show or what it was back in the day. Yeah, I think it was a Fox show, and um, yeah, it's 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 really weird. It's it's very weird, but it's it's quite enjoyable. It's very silly and and uh, irreverent. Not, I think uh, for me, is quite a high water mark as the uh, animated show, animated, which yeah. was mm-hmm. genius, nor the comic book, which is also genius. But uh, but it's but it's pretty darn entertaining. Hmm. I might have to give that another another chance because I, I did watch the pilot back whenever Amazon had the pilot um that season for that. And the, the pilot seemed watchable, but it didn't hook me. And so I never saw season one, but it's got your uh, stamp of approval there. 
maybe I'll have to give it another chance. Yeah, again, it's it's not it's not high art, but it's quite enjoyable. It is I, I do have a soft spot for sort of irreverent superhero content. Some of that stuff, as we've established with the DC uh, cinematic universe, takes itself so seriously, and it's nice to see. You know, this is a character who's uh, both nearly invulnerable, super strong, but clearly mentally unstable, and in in a very <laughs> uh, harmless kind of way, not necessarily a deranged kind of way. It's it's just fun, it's funny, and the characters are having a good time. The the concepts are absurdist, and yeah, it's just a lot of fun. All right. And our last little bit, I I just thought this was too funny. So, um, uh, in the spirit of taunting uh, the U.S. president, uh, so there was a tweet the other day uh, uh, on Twitter, Sarah Benincasa, uh, who is, is uh, um, a screenwriter and an author. She has called earnestly for a journalist to ask Donald Trump. Trump, his opinion about our nation's relations with Wakanda. Uh, Wakanda is, of course, <laughs> the fictional country from Marvel's Black Panther comics. Uh, she has offered That's a $300 great. bounty to any journalist who, with a straight face, asks Trump his opinion of the, the U.S. relations with Wakanda and gets an answer recorded on video. Right, um, right. I'll double down. I'll throw in another $200. we will make it an even $500. I think that's worth $200. No problem. I just want another one of those asshole countries? Yes. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Right. <laughs> that's not you were pretty close, but you had the right sentiment, I think, for his, uh, <laughs> his precise term. Yeah, yeah, that was intentional. Trust me. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that one, that one definitely has my my favorite uh, humorous tweet of the week because uh, boy, I'd like to hear the answer to that one. All right. So, and my my piece here is a friend of mine. Um, I went to university with this with a bunch. Oh, I went to York University to study fine arts, so I hang out with a lot of um, Canadian actors and directors and stuff like that. Who, who you know, they were just students back then. And and my buddy Silvio. Oliviero, who now goes by the trade name of Michael A. Miranda, turned up in a, in a TV commercial the other day, and it was so convincing, I didn't even recognize him. Um, you know, usually I see titles and stuff like that and recognize people. He got beat up by Vin Diesel once in a movie. He was in um, uh, Johnny Mnemonic. You know, he was one of the crazy guys up on the bridge at the beginning of that, the beginning of that, beginning of that movie. Um, but yeah, so he turned... Have you seen the commercial for the uh, CPA chartered accountants, and they're talking about um, CDs, and maybe they should go online, and the accountant lady there on the couch says, we should go online and, and you know charge people subscriptions to listen to our music. Yes, I have seen that commercial. It's yeah, funny. the guy, the, the guy at the end with the long hair and the goatee who says, "Well, how's that going to sell us CDs?" That's yeah, Silvio. Yeah. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah Silvio, he's yeah. he's got quite the uh, 1990s makeup haircut thing going on there. Yeah, 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 for sure. Anyway, that's him. That's my follow up. And there's a link to the commercial here. That's funny. cool. It's a good commercial. It's actually a really good. Uh, it's a really good pitch. Yeah, it's funny. Like I kind of looked at him. I thought, you know, it seems familiar, but but yeah, it's, it's I guess it's been a long time. So. I mean, since I've seen him in the flesh, as it were. Thanks. Anywho, <clears throat> all right. So uh, in the main show, I have a I have a follow up, but I'm gonna we're gonna put it under the main title. So we're gonna do our traditional uh, spoiler warning for those of you who haven't watched episode. Well, this would be episode ten, or even listened to this show before, I guess, because we've been talking about this for a while. Um, so yeah. So if you haven't seen episode eleven, uh, the Wolf Inside, Star Trek Discovery, uh, here's your fair warning. This is what this show is about. So why are you listening if you haven't seen it yet? <laughs> Anywho. Um, don't scare what? them away. We want yeah, them here. No, hey, come, come, come. We're glad come it's your enjoy first our, our theory. So, Kick back so, and relax. We're going to talk a little Star Trek. Hopefully, yeah. you watch it. Well, and the thing about it is, is like you know, um, I mean, I can't take claim to some of the theories that we've purported, but uh, you know, we've mentioned some of them, and, and kudos to Jonathan who who nailed who hit the nail on the head on one of them for sure. Um, anyway, so what I'm talking about is, is an IMDb, IMDb listen, listing for the actor who plays Volk on Star Trek Discovery, and oh, now they've got his picture. Isn't that 
nice. They broke my, my link. Bad people. Um, hmm, weird. Oh, they've got his picture. That's funny. He had a picture of Vogue up until... So I was watching the show, and of course, just before the spoiler went, I thought, you know, I'm, I, like I said, I always have my iPad with me, and I, I always have IMDb going if I'm watching a TV show. And I figured I'd go and look up the actor, Vogue, and see who he was, you know, just in, in the scene where the two of them were on the on the screen together, and um, Tyler and Vogue. And um, I looked it up, and it's it's what well, Shazad Latif is his name, right? Yeah, that's the actual actor's name, but they had uh, a pseudonym in there for yeah. for quite a while. Yeah, the pseudonym was his actually his, his father's name. He mentioned that on uh, on uh, on After Trek as well. But anyway, his father's name with a picture of Volk and then no bio, which is totally unusual for um, IMDb. They always have something. And there was a little trivia note that said that this is a pseudonym, and it, and it's you know for the actor who's playing who purportedly is playing both roles, right? Anyway, so that's a spoiler. Well, spoiler if you don't know if you watched the last episode, you know this already. But but this was posted. I should have taken a screenshot of it um, before, and now they've updated it with his actual real name. So that's not fair. Hmm. Why wouldn't they put his actual bio on here? Mini biography. Huh. Anywho, that's uh, that was my. Uh, I just thought it was really interesting that during while I was watching the show, I, I flipped over here and, and saw this uh, what seemed to be a spoiler in plain sight. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, let's move on to the actual recap of the show. And I think I don't know. Uh, I took some notes. I see you've got quite a few notes here, Jonathan. But are we going to throw Jaime under the bus and let him do the recap this? Yeah, time? I think that's time. All right. Okay, honey. <laughs> off you go. <laughs> All right. Let's see how I can recap this. So um, it, it starts, starts out with really Star Trek. Kind of, yeah. It, it starts out really kind of moody, kind of like a horror movie, kind of scary on, on the Discovery. They've got uh, random, I don't know, uh, random lieutenants or, or whatever, you know, doing repairs, you know, the, like the power looks like it's out sort of thing. Um, and that person discovers uh, Stamets, who's, you know, still looking like he's not himself and he's cradling uh, Culber's uh, dead body. Uh, and, and of course they think, well, he, he must have done this, right? Like that's the only reasonable conclusion you could come to. Like he, uh, in his um, euphoria and catatonic sort of manic sort of episode, he accidentally uh, killed his husband. Um, and then we switch over to uh, the mirror universe, the mirror discovery, where uh, Captain Burnham, uh, Michael Burnham, talks about the fact that uh, the, the universe seems a little bit different here. Even even the light is different, uh, which is something people have picked up on as uh, as another sort of, I don't know, uh, nugget for future theories related to other characters. Uh, but in either case, she encounters the mirror universe version of Saru, who, uh, much, like, uh, much like a girl, uh, he also has no name, because um, <laughs> apparently he's not worthy of one as, as an alien race uh, in the Terran Empire that's all uh, all about humans uh, and he helps her bathe and so they, they sort of have like a little uh, moment in there um, this sort of leads into and I forget the order here but this leads into a little bit of uh, where both Michael Burnham and uh, Saru the uh, prime universe Saru are both holding back information so they eventually are able to like communicate with each other because it's kind of not so suspicious and they get a secure line and Saru is holding back the fact that Culver uh, is dead because uh, Michael Burnham apparently is as friendly enough with him that he doesn't want her to be distressed and about this state of things. And Michael Burnham is holding back the fact that she has met Mirror Saru and man, his life sucks, right? Like, uh, she probably also doesn't want him to be distracted by, oh man, even in this other world, like, my life's not that good sort of thing. Uh, and then we move on to the uh, a scene that will play into sort of like the ending part of this, this episode where they're in an execution. And in this case, they're going to use the transporter to execute. I um, can't remember who they said they were, rebels or something. I can't or, or just people they don't like yeah, and, people who are bad yeah yeah, yeah I, I can't remember spoke good against their emperor acted against their emperor okay yeah, that's why i got the impression they were like rebels or something not just like oh bob did a bad job sweeping up the floor today sort of thing <laughs> <laughs> didn't bathe the captain well enough yeah so they they execute them by beaming them out into space and we see a 
little bit of like the bodies sort of like you know freezing up sort of thing um and then we run into the spot where apparently they've discovered where the uh the actual rebels are the the rebels led by um did they call him the something wolf the fire wolf the fire wolf yeah it's it's right in the notes if you look on the notes there i (laughs) mean oh yeah there we go (laughs) so they've they've heard about this this fire wolf and they're like hey you know we've got you know orders to just go blow this base up just just shoot it from space nuke him from orbit it's the only way to be sure right and uh michael burns like well no uh, of course her reasoning being that like she wants to find out like how the heck did, did a Klingon of all people like bring these disparate races together and, and maybe we can learn something from this individual um, this, this firewolf to see like how we can resolve our issues with the Klingons in the prime universe um, but the reason she, she gives is like well we need to go find out tactical information right we, we can't just blow it up in space we need to like see what's going on here see what information we can get so she and Tyler head down there to, to chill with these guys uh, you know they have a little bit of standoff but she's able to convince hey like um i'm not here to, to kill you i'm actually here to warn you that they're going to blow up your base but you know you need to get the heck out of here so they meet the mirror version of voke who uh who speaks english actually pretty well so um he talks about how they the klingons like lost part of their their culture and faith but they they brought the, together to in order to fight this common enemy uh the only reason he's even going to like pay attention to her, though is like oh we need to bring out the prophet let's see if the prophet can can help us here right um so they're sitting at a table with uh we now seen updated versions of the Tellarites and the Andorians. Uh, they bring out this prophet who turns out to be Mirror Sarek, who's uh, rocking the the beard, and he mind melts with Michael Burnham, and he sees lots of flashes of like her life, and it's particularly his, I guess, Mirror ver- his prime version self of being with her. And so he's like, oh, oh, oh I, I trust her, uh, which comes in pretty handy because uh, Ash Tyler starts flipping out when he sees Voke, especially <laughs> when he's speaking English and you know not uh, staying true to the ways of Kalish and uh, with an essay. They fight, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they, he starts, they, uh, he, starts fight, right? he starts yelling at him in Klingon too. Like that's the other thing to invoke. Then disvoke says, "How do you know our ancient language?" Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so they fight, but it ends up, you know, stopping before like it, Tyler you know, kind of gets his butt handed to him by by Voke, and who's like about to slay him with a batleth, but they're like, "No, no, no, stop!" And he's like, "How do you mean you stop? Like they, they, they came here. We're already suspicious of them, and uh, here it is. They're actually attacking us." And Sarek's like, "No, no, no. Like I don't know about him, but I." trust michael burnham and so they say all right right if sarek believes then then we'll we'll stop here and so we'll um you know we'll give you a little bit of this, this information so you can go back and you know keep your cover up but we'll also start evacuating here um meanwhile uh cadet tilly and saru are trying to heal stamets using the spores because they're like well uh something about uh spores or fungus being like the having that boundary between death and life where there's sort of like less of a distinction they make it just part of their their life cycle and so they like, all right well let's use the spores they spore him up. Uh, Stamets <laughs> appears to have died, or we can tell. They they call the medical folks, come in, try reviving. Yeah, they interrupt the process, right? Yeah, no, dead. But uh, sort of weirdly, they they like leave him. So like everybody's gone. This comes back into a later scene where um, Tilly's like, "Well, yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry," and you know, that tried bringing him back. Uh, he does come back here, and I'm I'm going way off the notes here because I'm going way. That's off okay. The that's fine. Yep. Um, and uh, somewhere along the way, they um, uh, Burnham confronts Tyler like, dude the hell's going on like why'd you flip out like that uh and he confirms that he is uh that he is voke and we we get like the actual last percentage of confirmation we were 99 percent sure that it wasn't you know klingon bob uh now it's like 100 percent sure they show us lots of uh, graphic imagery of evoke being turned into tyler or having or having bits of an existing tyler scooped into him it was slightly unclear from the cinematography to me right yeah um yeah but either way like he's like hey go i also i killed culber which whoops if only saru had told me maybe i wouldn't be so shocked and surprised by this 
this. Um, and he tries to kill uh, Michael Burnham, but uh, thankfully, Mirror Saru comes in and just like throws him across the, the way like he's just a doll. Um, but thankfully, because you know she had uh, seemed to show a little bit of kindness to him, even gave him accidentally giving him the name Saru um, just because of uh, you know her relationship with the Prime One. So they uh, on the ISS Discovery, they and she ends up um, using him as a using Tyler as a ploy here. Where uh, I should have stated that somewhere along the way they were trying to figure out how the heck are we going to get this this it's information, this data disk floppy about disk, yeah. the yep. uh, Defiant who had come over from the Prime Universe into the Mirror Universe. Are we going to get that you know transmitted from the Senjo over to the Discovery without it being obvious? Like they were able to do like you know FaceTime calls. All right, whatever. Let's not suspicious, but like sending a big encrypted file that's probably going to set off alarms, right? So as part of this, since Tyler attacked you know ostensibly the captain of the Senjo, uh, she says, "Oh, we're going to execute him." And guess what? They're going to use that transporter execution method and she's like no let me do it like i want to be the one you know who kills him by my own hand and she beams him out into space and thankfully the discoveries around and they beam him right back um and they say oh look here's this little data disk in his pocket so that's how they, they used his body essentially uh he's still alive but they used his body as sort of a, a mule to, to get the data over there um we also see uh stamets as he as he comes back where he meets a mirror universe version of himself in the Sporeverse, and the mirror universe version seems to have not been surprised that he was there it kind of almost seems like he was waiting for him and then um we see uh on the bridge we see that uh, the rebel encampment is just like completely pummeled like this entire planet just gets hosed by some mysterious ship that shows up and they get a little ring on their facetime they're like yo it's the emperor they want to talk to you and it turns out to be bah, 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 the emperor uh captain or emperor Giorgio uh, on there saying like, hey what the hell why didn't you follow my commands right away and uh, oh by the way it's been a long since i've seen you michael and that's sort of where we end yes and why don't you bow to your empress or emperor? Uh, yes yes yeah so it, interesting plot hole though like I, the one i was trying to go back to it maybe i should have gone back and watched it again but so the fight that she has with tyler in in her quarters where you know he tries to kill her after telling her that that uh he's killed um uh, culber and that he's he's actually volk and she's you know ready to throw up in her mouth a little bit um they have this fight and then then the number one breaks in and i've forgotten her name but she breaks in and and says we'll take him and we'll execute him right away and michael burnham follows him almost immediately but how did she tell saru prime saru that you know he should you know beam somebody at this coordinate unless they planned on maybe they were going to do like a mule drop at some point anyway right so um and he was watching that coordinate of space but i can't imagine like there was no time for her to explain to him what had happened or what went down and that in fact tyler is a bad guy and should be thrown into the brig right so because because the other thing too was interesting on when they received tyler on the 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 good discovery or no on discovery they say um you know we're not going to execute him because we are still starfleet and uh so they throw him in the brig and that's when um saru reveals that he's gone to get the little floppy disk of, of data that they've been trying to get to them right so but did you guys notice that like did it not seem odd to you timing wise like maybe a bad edit or something it certainly seems convenient from a dramatic standpoint that these things are set up but i'd have to go rewatch to see if there was yeah. um like the possibility of time like i don't know if you wanted to straighten yourself up a little bit you know because you've just been in a fight and she looks like she's pretty cleaned up by the time they go for the uh, yeah what i remember she she literally walks out of the room right after uh right after the other one so i can't imagine how she would have had to you know had time to do a quick little facetime and with saru right jonathan are you there yep okay you're just being quiet yep <laughs> so what do you think you got all probably have all kinds of theories what do you think all kinds of theories no this was an exposition episode i need i don't oh. need theories in an exposition oh, okay. episode <laughs> right, yeah, okay. we, we, we we got our we got our cake and we got to eat it so yeah you know, several pieces of cake actually yeah i mean you know all the lo- lots of lovely touches again very enjoyable episode um you know uh, i love 
loved uh, Sarek with the beard looking very uh, much like his son in the original uh, Mirror Universe episode. That was fantastic. Um, yeah, I think, I think you know, it was good good call by Jaime last week. He said, that, you know, his, his odds are we're on, uh, on Captain Giorgio to be the Emperor. Uh, you know, I wasn't sure where they were going with that because they specifically used uh, the male gender uh, Emperor instead of Empress. So I didn't know if that's where they're going to go. Um, I will say that that's an excellent turn of events, but I'm praying that it's not that she's supposed to be uh, Hoshi's great-granddaughter or some fool thing. I don't think they need to connect <laughs> all the Asian actors together. I think she could just be Captain Giorgio. Uh, but uh, but I'm, I'm curious to see where they go with that. You know, obviously a complex relationship between uh, Captain Giorgio and, and Michael Burnham. Um, obviously, Burnham feels a lot of guilt uh, over her captain's death and uh, interesting to see how that dynamic plays out now that we have this villainous, uh, you know, bloodthirsty ruler of the Terran Empire showing up. So, uh, yeah, was, I thought it was really cool. And, I wonder and, and if, sorry, I and wonder lots if, of, eh, go ahead. Lots, go ahead. of uh, lots of interesting possibilities, too, with, you know, Stamets meeting Mirror Stamets, too. I think uh, it'll be interesting to watch Anthony Rapp play off of Anthony Rapp next week. Right, yeah, I kind of wondered if, um, if uh, the Emperor and Michael Burnham had the same or similar backstory, you know, like in the very first episode, it's the two women walking together talking about how, you know, Giorgio sees Burnham being the captain at some point in the future. Um, you know, and that doesn't doesn't end up being because of all the, the nastiness and they find the Klingons and blah, 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 blah. And, and she becomes the, becomes the saboteur of the Federation or whatever they call her. But um, I wonder if the, if this mirror um, Giorgio has the same relationship with the mirror Burnham, you know, who's now who's now missing in action, right? What happens when she comes back, right? Yeah. When the mirror Burnham comes back, you know? Well, I, I mean, I wonder if that's inevitable at this point. Um, can we can we talk about uh, our our captain of the USS uh, Discovery and where we leave him in this episode? Because yeah, he comes in. Very, yep. very yep. interesting look on uh, Captain Lorca's face when Emperor or uh, Emperor Philippa Giorgio shows up. He doesn't look surprised. Oh, really? Hmm. I, I got a very, I, he had kind of had, I mean, Jason Isaac, uh, Jason Isaacs always looked like he's smirking but I, he kind of seemed like he got sort of a half smirky kind of thing on his face. They did, they cut right to his face when she shows up and he's not like, oh my God, it's Captain Phil. He looks like he's like, yep, there you are. I knew it was you. I wonder if that's hmm. just another tell towards the fact that he's he's from this universe. Right, right. And that's, is that just a theory of, in general or your theory or? Oh, I, I mean, I've, I've seen people speculating on social about it too, but yeah, I, I hold to that theory. I think this has all been, uh, they set it up so well with all these little threads of uh you know saying that you know Lorca was a rebel who had gone against the emperor and then had uh Burnham go after him but he disappeared and you know like all those threads plus the behavior of Lorca in the prime universe plus them showing up here after he clearly did something while Stamets was trying to jump them in the the winter finale episode I think all of that points towards this confirming this theory that Lorca actually is the Lorca from this universe and that his whole ploy was to try and uh, for some reason to get go back, to the Prime right, Universe yeah. and come back. Was it to bring the Discovery there? Was it to bring Michael Burnham there? Uh, that'll be an interesting little bit to sort of follow up. I, I'm not as, I'm pretty sold on the Lorca is Mirror Lorca uh, theory, but I'm not as convinced as to why. I don't know what the motivation so was. So why would he, why would he two episodes ago or an episode ago, why would he show uh, Michael Burnham and Saru the the, the map that, that connects all the universe, all the, the um, mirror I think, he was, I think he's trying to throw him off the trail. I mean, he did legit. I mean, he may have jumped into our universe or the prime universe, I should say, uh, by accident 
we don't know the backstory. It could have been by accident. It could have been deliberately, but he didn't know how to get back. Right, you know, right. we, we don't know the whole story. And again, it'll be fascinating to see how that plays out. If in fact, this theory is true. I think there's a lot of evidence to point towards that theory. Um, but what his motivation was, was it to get Discovery and come back? Was it to bring back Burnham? What, what was he trying to accomplish? What was his master plan for how he's going to become overthrow the emperor and become the emperor himself? Um, right. yeah. You know, he again, did, he did, yeah, I was going to say he did sort of throw off through, uh, why, why did he put the Stamets through that first ordeal with the 133 jumps as well, right? That yeah. Could been, that could have been part of the part of the key to get him back or something. Yeah. And right. we were saying, you know, uh, you know, 15 episodes ago, we were talking about how, you know, all evidence was pointing to uh, the fact that Lorca is a bad guy. You know, we were talking about how, you know, maybe he was just making uh, decisions based on being, uh, you know, must win the war kind of person. But I think the more that we get into this mirror universe and, and establishing this as part of the, the main storyline, again, mm-hmm. I find it really hard to imagine that they that this wasn't all connected, that we weren't being shown a very dark person in Lorca because he's dark Lorca. He's, he is mirror right. Lorca, mm-hmm. which makes you wonder, is there another Lorca out there? Did there did the Lorca yeah, from our universe good, end up there? Yeah, where's, where's the good Lorca? Yeah, where's, where's the evil Burnham? Where's the prime Lorca? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe, and like you said, maybe he's brought Michael Burnham back since he lost Michael Burnham somehow. Maybe he dropped her in a, in a volcano shaft or something. Yeah. And he had to bring the good, the prime um, Burnham back because she will have some sort of key to um, undoing the Emperor because of some prior relationship, right? So yeah. maybe the Emperor has a soft spot for Burnham. And, and you know, because why is he insisting on, on her in particular in, in the, you know, if we want to call him the prime Lorca, why is he insisting that Michael Burnham is, is the key to all this stuff, really, right? Because she's a baddie. She's supposed to be on her way to to the Huskow for a life sentence, right? Yeah. So what is it about her that he's so attracted to? Yeah, I mean, there's, there, you know, obviously Burnham's a very uh, accomplished officer. Maybe he thought he could manipulate her because of her past behavior or something. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, again, you have to wonder if he's looking for an angle that he can work on on the Emperor to try and, you know, unseat her and, and take over. Right, right. Hmm. Any thoughts on that, Jaime? Yeah, I think for a long time I've uh, I've resisted the idea of, um, of Lorca being a mirror universe person. Um, I think largely is, is backlash to, to the backlash from the, the fandom and from the interwebs where uh, because of the way that Lorca was acting, it was just an assumption like, oh, they don't act perfect. Boom. Must be a mirror universe person. That's the only way I can reconcile this in my head. And I was always <laughs> like, well, maybe he's just like the bad admirals, you know, like it just mm. so happens he's on like the main uh, the main ship that we know and love. And maybe he's, um, you know, it, it's a little bit to me like, well, you know, in TNG and Deep Space Nine, when they needed to have the characters deal with like something unreasonable it'd be like oh well some admiral at starfleet either good or bad is telling us to do something completely unreasonable and the whole episode is about us trying to figure out how to um, work within the bounds of our orders but yet also do the right thing and yeah they're always disobeying their orders it seems on the other on tos and and on this on this you know they're always in fact um Lorca does that too because he disobeys his admiral's uh, directives right yeah uh, sorry the admiral who said who who questioned whether or not that was really him that he left to die yeah well she says you know you're not your Yourself. She she actually says it when right, they're in bed right. together, right? You're not yourself. Huh. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Where is yeah. she right now? She's in the she's in the sick bay on Discovery, right? Well, I think they dropped her uh no, they dropped her at the Starbase, I think they said. Oh, okay, okay. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I know that, that Star Trek shows kinda always need this sort of thing. This is why folks uh, get a little bent out of shape with uh Captain Janeway, because they still the writers still needed that like we have to do something completely unreasonable. It's like, well, but they're out there in the middle of nowhere and they can't talk to Starfleet. So somebody was like, Well, I guess it's the captain who decides to make 
this unreasonable decision. I thought right. Discovery was using that same sort of thing where, all right, most people, if they've worked for long enough and had enough jobs, you've probably had this person, Captain Lorca, as like your manager. I can certainly name a couple <laughs> in my own head. I'm like, oh yeah, I've worked for this dude before. Um, but now after seeing multiple hints, like the uh, relationship with um, Admiral Cornwell and uh, some more of the hints, even within this episode with Burnham talking about, you know, the light is different here, which sort of seems like it plays into Lorca's sort of like weird eye uh, problem. And oh, right, yeah. The smirk when Emperor Giorgio shows up, I'm like, okay, I'm pretty convinced. Like, you've got me on board. I'm like 95% sure that the Lorca that we know is a mirror universe person. 95%, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Tim, you want to put in a percentage for us? No, I, I don't actually, because my, my trouble with this show is that, that I, as, as I was thinking about it, as I watched it last week and the week before, is that I'm busy taking notes while I'm watching the show, so it kind of takes away from my ability to sort of enjoy the show as it were straight up right you gotta watch it twice whole, yeah yeah i have a like a, there's so much stuff in my pvr right now it's not funny so i <laughs> i did manage to watch the last episode on the thursday because it's it replay it on thursday so after the podcast i get to get to watch it enjoy it and take it all in but uh yeah i don't know i mean like you guys are yeah i don't know i, I guess i'm i'm the prime audience for these guys because i just f- sort of follow along and go okay that's what we're doing now okay you know um nothing i, I don't know that i don't know that i i haven't really bought into this theory or even even you know kind of really paid attention to about Lorca being a bad dude but or being an evil you know mirror universe guy but yeah I, I suppose it, it does have merit you know yeah. but uh, yeah to be I fair think, I think I, I'd love to be wrong I, I would love it if there was some twist in there that I didn't see where they do say like no you know I, I'm this just is the guy television who's... after all yeah. they are going to just go down the safe path right so this is City Alpha 5 oh, what yeah what what yeah exactly yep yeah I think I'd yeah, be I... okay with them going either way either uh, it's like all right it makes logical sense he acted really weird and so he's a mirror universe person or the original thing that i'd said you know many episodes ago that Lorca was just a broken person and we've not seen that sort of like broken person sort of personality to this extreme on on a star trek series yeah I but a broken writers... person who's in charge of a starship and uh, you know spaceship i mean or whatever you call these things right um that that seems implausible right like how could how could i mean less star starfleet is so broken that they would let somebody like that you know exist in on a on a ship right but that's not, a theme, notwithstanding that's a admiral decker the whole from, thing though right like this this whole show like look at all the characters from they're all burnham misfits, yeah to burnham yeah. to Lorca, to saru to tyler to even detmer the the you know the the one with the sort of sort of weird face appliance you know right, like yeah. all these characters have these like rather deep issues um they don't you know that there's there's no real like emblematic well you know like there's no jean-luc picard there's no like clearly well-adjusted kind of person they're, they've all got a real layer of complexity to them especially for characters that are sort of new to us like you you, you can look at them the the way that you know in, in spite of his facial appliances the way that doug jones is playing saru like he the eyes the, the mannerisms yeah, like yeah. you get a sense that he's conflicted and troubled and and, yeah, and yeah. fighting his nature all the time and you know like i think that's the one thing i will say for this show is you know they they these actors have really gotten these characters down pretty fast um there's a lot there's a lot to chew on with these guys yeah well it's it's it's, it's funny because like you know i guess i guess it's early enough in starfleet's history that they haven't developed a proper hr strategy and you know you know been able to, to properly screen their employees and stuff like that right they could use a betazoid you know they could use uh lieutenant troy on the bridge be like no no you're gonna be fine it's gonna be fine i'm empathically telling she walk onto the bridge yeah, and be yeah, like listen yeah. you're all screwed up i can tell from here my my betazoid senses are going off you guys are yeah. all messed up you all need 
a break. Let's yeah. bring in the night crew. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's, let's all get some Earl Grey tea. Yeah, for sure. I'd like to go on record as saying that um, the Firewolf might be one of the coolest uh, nom de guerres that we've seen out of one of these shows. I, I would like henceforth to be known as the Firewolf. The Firewolf. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, that's... Why, so why, what is it about Firewolf as opposed to the Disco Queen or the Disco Crew? I, or I, you know, I just, uh, yeah, there's just something about the imagery of a Firewolf. It just sounds so incredibly badass. So it's just it's so Game of Thrones. Come on. Sure. Why not? I'm, I'm still in, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would have liked if they'd just been some sort of reference where it was like he had a red scar on his face. Like, there was nothing. It was yeah, just like, yeah, yeah Firewolf. Sure, that's a thing. He like, did seem kind of like a wuss, but then again, he was being played by, you know, Tyler, right? So, like, yeah. as Klingons go, he wasn't very threatening, other than the fact that he was sort of in charge of everything, right? But Well, uh, it's, it's they do establish in that first episode that he's sort of runt-ish for a Klingon. Uh, oh, because Takuvma okay. is supposed to be the big, huge, strapping, you know, leader of men, and Volk was supposed to sort of be his adjunct. Okay, right? so let's talk about Volk, who has no house, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that what is that about, right? So, I, I, let's just, I, another point, too, I want to just m- mention, was, so I watched After Track, and that, as they introduced the, the show, they said both Volk and Tyler are on the show, meaning that the actor was on the show, but also Ted Sullivan was there, and he's a co- co-executive producer and sometimes writer on the show, and he did sort of say that what they kind of did was, uh, and he was trying not to get fired when he was saying it, but they had, you know, modified Volk to the point where he looked like a human, and then they had mapped Tyler's memories onto Volk so that he would be able to mask his identity, which is why, part of the reason why I think that uh, Tyler sort of exhibits that sort of psychological, you know, um, he looked like a character who was who had buried it, buried a history, like, you know, like a, like a denial of abuse or something, you know what I mean? Like how people do that, they bury these things under their subconsciousness, right? So mm-hmm. that's his, his explanation was that's what the Klingons had done, but, but yeah, it's kind of odd that, that, so now, so now how does Volk fit into this whole story altogether? Because, you know, he appears on the ship in the first episode as just, hey, I'm a, I'm a lighter skinned, you know, uh, Klingon who has no house, I have, you know, the, his son of name of none or something like that. What do they call him? But, um, yeah, and house of none, I think he says house of none, something like that. Yeah. Which is, which is a big deal in, in Klingon, uh, Klingon, you know, culture, at least in, in our, in our prime universe, right? Or son so. of none. What does he, what does he call himself? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's house, house of none or yeah, something like that. Like the fact that he has no house. Well, he has no house. That's one thing for sure. And that, which is like, you know, completely dishonorable in, in Klingon lore, right? Cause when he volunteers to be the torchbearer, right? Yeah, so, yeah. There's a whole, I mean, so even, even the fact that this Klingon is on the Klingon ship, he, right from the get-go, he's, he's, a, he's an odd duck, right? Um, so I wonder how that plays out. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they reconcile this. So I had a question about, uh, so if they imprinted Tyler's memories on him, but they just adjusted his sort of organs and bones, is he still as strong as a Klingon or is he just a human now? No, I don't know. Well, he, he did seem to be pretty strong. He was, you know... Yeah, I mean, but, he's, but, so, physically he seemed more um, uh, sturdy than, than Michael Burnham, but yeah. then We'd, you know, we'd have to go back to the Harry Mudd episode to see because because at one point he kind of just he just shows up in the prison cell and says, "Hey, I'm Ash Tyler," and they go, "Okay," and they they must have because I mean Culber was saying in the last episode that, that they did scans on him, so they must have he must have been someone who had been captured, yeah. in the past. So there must right? have been and, an actual Tyler at some point. Yeah, like like Jaime said, they scooped uh, Volk into him, sort of thing, right? So well, they could he couldn't have gotten into Starfleet if he wasn't imprinted on a Starfleet person that existed, right? So whether true, they just true. stole the guy's memory or they right. chopped out his brain bits and put them into this person or whatever. Yeah, they did an awfully go- good job sewing him back up again, too, because I didn't notice any scars, you know? Like, yeah, he's a or... he's a handsome converted Klingon. 
<laughs> you know, because you wouldn't notice. I mean, like, well, I guess he does. Have, he must have scars from the torture and stuff like that, right? But I guess well, Culber says that his uh, his insides are a mess, right? His bones yeah, well, have all been broken. His organs have all been messed around with. So clearly, superficially, he looks fine. You know, again, I think we saw him uh, with his shirt off in bed with uh, with Vernon. Yeah, that's what point. I mean. Yeah, like, he looked like he was scarless. Yeah, the whole suspend. Dis- Maybe they transported him inside or something. I don't know. Yeah, or replicated him. <laughs> I think I just heard uh, Bones McCoy rolling in his grave. <laughs> yep. Either yeah. way, I think uh, this was the second great episode in a row. Lots of stuff going on. Uh, the Mirror Universe is a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, I don't know about you guys. I didn't buy the dead Stamets thing for a second, especially as Jaime pointed out when they're just like, well, he's dead. We better just leave his body where it's lying. Yeah. It, like, I don't yeah. understand why the medical team left him there. Like, it was, again, dramatically convenient. And as as shown on screen, I'm like, well, did they just decide, well, he's in a hermetically sealed environment, so he'll stay fresh, you know? <laughs> there's no there's no air in there to no make him decay. Autopsy, he'll be yeah, fine. Yeah. We'll, we'll come back to this later when we're in the normal universe. Um, yeah. Or they're going to, like, weaken at Bernie's him or something. But um, <laughs> <laughs> in my head, I filled in, oh, there must have been a missing scene where they're like, all right, we're going to take him out. until he's like, no, 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 give me one last chance. Like, let me see if I can bring him back. It's obviously Look, not going to hurt. You've already, already broken dead. him once. Make it like, worse. Yeah, exactly. Because she does talk about the fact that uh, it, she says, this is a spore issue and I'm the only one qualified to work on it, which is why uh, uh, Saru lets her give this a couple of tries. Um, yeah. But at one point she talks about um, the spores being the veins and muscles of the universe or something like that. I vaguely remember that. So. Yeah. Right. But I think that was in an attempt to heal him, not the, yeah. like he's yeah. died sort of uh, recovery sort of thing. Right, right, right. Yeah. And he does sort of start like, like I guess, atomic, autonomically moving at one point, you know, and she doesn't like, you know, jump on the intercom and go, hey, get down here, you know? Yeah. I thought it was a very funny scene between her and uh, and Doug Jones as, as uh, Saru doing the, mm-hmm. you know, I'm very impressed with you and your, you know, work. And she's like impressed enough to give me a recommendation to be an officer. <laughs> Not so fast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's like, he's like, I'll think about it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I like I, more and more every episode more and more. I, I, Mary Wiseman is a delight. I, I think she's she's definitely a lot of the heart of the show and uh, mm-hmm. the wide-eyed innocence and everything like that. But she's she's uh, she's definitely growing on me. I like her a lot. Yeah, the other Mary was on um, on After Trek too. Mary Chief Fifio, something like that. She's Mary the Chief. Yeah, yeah Mary the Chief on on um, Twitter is her is her handle. But so she was on talking about Laurel and their relationship, her relationship with Volk, and so it was interesting to see two actors discussing that sort of stuff as well. It was I mean there wasn't a whole lot of After Trek usually has a bunch of interesting things, but I guess they had a whole lot of what the hell just happened to talk about that they didn't go too far down the rabbit hole with other things, costume-wise or whatever. Yeah, interesting. Interesting stuff. Yeah, so where we go from here? What do you think happens next? They've they've sewn up a lot of loose ends. Well, hopefully now we get a little exposition as to, you know, uh, know, that backstory about, you know, what actually happened to to Mirror Burnham when she went to go confront Lorca. You know, like, hopefully we'll get some details in the exposition when she interacts with uh, the Emperor and, you know, we'll get a little taste of, of what might have actually happened to that character. And yeah. um, I'm hoping 
hoping that maybe we get um, from the reveal of, of that data disk you mentioned that we'll get a little more insight into uh, what happened with the Prime Universe Defiant and well, wh- where that is and how that plays into this. Well, let me say this about that. Um, so there was a there was a sneak peek on this After Trek shows. They always do a sneak peek of of the show. So they did a little little bit where um, Burnham and Lorca are in a shuttle on their way to see the Emperor, and she's got like an iPhone seven there with the data on it, and it's all been redacted. But there are bits and pieces in between, and that sort of they you know they've they've decrypted it on Discovery. I guess they sent sent her back an iPhone seven with it on it, right? And she's <laughs> sort of scrolling through it. Um, and at one point, and they I forget what they say to each other, but uh, I can go back and watch it again. But she gives him a shot in the neck, like uh, with a sort of like a uh, something to, to calm his nerves, so because obviously he's going to go and be tortured some more, you know. And the, the one jokey comment on After Trek was, "Why didn't you give me that like two days ago?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or maybe they did. I don't know. But uh, yeah, so they so they gave they gave him something to calm. But it, but it's interesting. So they did show the 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 data or the like the content that was on that um, on that little floppy drive that they take back. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm so curious to see what they do with the. Uh, we haven't seen a Constitution class. Uh, oh no, maybe we saw one in the first episode. I can't remember the second episode uh, of of what the you know what we're going to see from the Defiant and how they sort of bring something that we've seen in the past universe into this universe. Um, right, right. Yeah, I'll be I'm curious to see how that all plays out. With you know, are they going to need that ship to escape? How are they going to you know? How's that work out? Do you guys think we're going to end up this season getting back out of the mirror universe, or do you think we're we're there for a while? Yeah, my sister said this is like she not after this episode but after last episode she said that um she thought this was going to be voyager all over again like oh my god there's it's voyager all over again they've, they've thrown themselves you know 80 million light years away from wherever they are right so which is what the, the plot for voyager was and of course i guess she didn't realize that the they were actually in the mirror universe at the time but yeah interesting so i don't know i, I think they they may be here for a while i mean because this is the thing is like now that now that the now that they're in they're no longer in the prime universe they get to play around with the rules right because now they've got all these nasty, you know, people. There, you know, there's this whole um, everybody against the Terrans and the Terrans against everybody thing going on, right? And then how do the good prime people work the system to to get things to go where they want, right? So, well, and they can mess with this universe too in a way that because they were hemmed in as writers because of being a prequel series. Yeah, uh, yeah. Here they can run hog wild. They could have a young Kirk or some, you know, like sure, yeah. You could throw all kinds of you know a really old Jonathan or no I guess he's dead in that universe I mean you could do all kinds of weird storytelling tied into that you know alt universe free Star Trek uh, original series kind of maybe stuff maybe Tasha Yar will come back yeah yeah you never know <laughs> but yeah no I mean and that's the sort of thing so like so now they, so now the again it's kind of like the J.J. Abrams um, you know Spock coming back from the from the future and breaking the timeline you know with the red matter or whatever it was called and um, you know uh, and, and basically Vulcan getting destroyed by the bad guy and, and just, you know, throwing the whole timeline off. And so now he's got this whole new Star Trek universe to play in, right? Um, he doesn't have to worry about tromping on on all the other Star Treks that came afterwards. And so now they've got this new mirror universe to play around in, right? And, and they're the good guys, but, you know, there's, I don't know, there's 400 of them on the ship, so they can, you know, they can put people in red shirts and just go off and have a good time, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens when, what, hap- what happens with the, the, uh, the Emperor and Michael Burnham and Lorca because obviously they have history right um, in this bat in this in the, the mirror universe so it'll be interesting to see what what where they go with that like what I mean what can they possibly do they've, they've done the big reveal we know um, you know Michelle Yeoh is the emperor and uh, now what right <laughs> maybe there'll be a little robot dog or something that'll come along at some point <laughs> yeah all right 
Um, so what else we got to talk about? What else? Alone? I, I, I didn't come up with any crazy lists this week. I'm sorry, guys. I, I feel like oh, I let yeah. you guys down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, could yeah rant, more... I could rant more about how, uh, you know, we live in a world where Netflix is showing Black Lightning here next week, and I'm delighted oh. about it. Well, now that you mention that, oh. let me let me tell you about my, my, uh, my Blade Runner 2049 disc that showed up today, yesterday, right? I haven't opened it up yet. But so I'm like, you know, it's got the digital copy. I'm like, hey, man, I got a digital copy. This is cool, right? So I go to... I go to, you know, I figure, like, I don't even reach for the, the player. I just open up the thing and find the code to read this thing up. And it turns out to be an ultra, what do you call it? Ultraviolet code, Oh, right? yeah. Ultraviolet. So I go over to Ultraviolet and I log in and then I realize, oh, I can no, like, it, I forgot it tied into Flickster. And then, of course, I go to Flickster and then I realize the Flickster app no longer plays the content that I have on Ultraviolet because why would it, right? And then, so I have to go get the, the Flickster video app now which yep. now has now is connected to my um, ultraviolet account and then so I log into that and then of course now there's a, the Flickster video app for the Mac that I can use I'm like okay cool let's try that right of course the the thing that really irks me about the ultraviolet and the Flickster thing is it doesn't use airplay so I can't airplay it to my Apple TV and watch it on my on my big screen nice right so um well so theoretically you could put the player on your laptop well, yeah, I can, I, well, yeah so I airplay it from your laptop well except for the TV. fact that it doesn't go full screen when you do that because reasons right anyway so because i did manage to airplay it from my phone to there but then, of course then i've got all the phone like because it's an iphone iphone 10 i've got the bars on the side and it doesn't fit the whole screen on the tv don't get me started anyway um so and then there's like this other thing called voodoo v-u-d-u that i had yes. to use to try mm-hmm. and get it to place like where's my goddamn content right so the next time like note to self next time i want to buy a movie just buy it on iTunes and be happy with that, right? Because this whole ultraviolet crap has got to stop. Like, well, like what's you're the getting point of giving us 4K copy if you do that anyway? Is right? Like, am I? Am I? And yeah. what can I play it on? So there's no, there's no, there's no Flickster app for the Apple TV. No, no, no. no I'm no. saying if you if you buy it off of iTunes, you oh, get the 4K okay, version, yeah. which you yeah. can play on your Apple TV that's hooked up to your 4K TV, so yeah. you're off to the races, anyways. Yeah, because I, I looked at that as soon as I, as soon as I saw it, I thought, well, why didn't I just buy it on iTunes and I go and look at the price and compare it to the disc price? I mean, the advantage of the Blu-ray is I can hand you the Blu-ray and you can watch it on your TV, right? I can't do that with my Apple TV or my iTunes version. Yeah, I I went through this exact same exercise at Christmas time. I got a couple of uh, films for Christmas and then I picked up a couple in Boxing Day sales and was like, oh, cool, digital copies. Oh, this one's for iTunes. Awesome. (laughs) This one's for Flickster. Oh, wait, I have Flickster. Okay, now. uh, Oh, I already have Flickster video, so I was one step ahead, but I didn't have a Voodoo account. I'm like, okay, what the hell is voodoo like affiliated with walmart or something like i i don't yeah, even I think know that's correct yeah like, why I'm do we like, have to log into three different now? accounts to watch the same content like this is stupid right stupid with two o's <laughs> <laughs> so what i think tim ran into is i think there's been some consolidation after there was this like explosion of like multiple um digital copy sort of services i think what i vaguely remember was that the industry or at least some players in the industry were trying to consolidate around something called i think it was movies anywhere uh, don't quote me on that because i could be wrong where it was like oh uh, even the app store and google play and all these other ones um you can just sort of like register and be like oh uh, i own this thing on itunes so therefore if i'm like on an android device all right google play will let me have this too so that's uh that's my understanding of, of where it's going it doesn't help now of course but i think that's what's happening so uh i'm not familiar with that service and as as a person who has a lot of that content that would be very handy so do you have to purchase this uh service this movies anywhere 
I don't think so. The way I remember the news article talking about it was that it was more of like a like a like a coalition or an agreement where you you sign up for an account. So, uh, again, you need like another account. Um, oh lord! <laughs> but you would uh, not purchase. You would be like, oh, I purchased this. You know, I purchased um, Blade Runner twenty forty nine on iTunes, and they recognize the fact that I have done that. It's all registered, and so if I move to like an Android device or something, I can still get um, free access. Well, I mean, I've already paid for it on one service, but it's like pay for it once, view it anywhere sort of concept. So you wouldn't have to so, re-buy it again on Google Play or Amazon. That's an that's an excellent notion, but only if Movies Anywhere has an app that I can use on my Apple TV so that I can watch all my Google Play, Amazon Movie, Vudu, uh, Flickster content. Right. I, I've not tried this myself, so I don't know. This is only uh, like a couple months old, if that. How can I do this? Anyway, yeah. Oh, yeah, let's let's move to picks. You guys... Uh... I may and I make our picks and we'll... Yeah, well, Jonathan, you got to pick there. Why don't you why don't you go first? Uh, okay, so my pick for this week is uh, a video that went up on uh, YouTube last week that I'm uh, looking forward to sitting down with. Uh, it's a fan film based on the Harry Potter universe. Uh, it's called Voldemort Origins of the Air. Um, it's uh, it's an English language Italian uh, fan film and uh, unofficial, of course, as fan films are. Uh, they posted this thing um, and it's got uh, it's 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 a production value looks pretty decent. Uh, I had a look through it. I skimmed through it and I read a couple of online pieces that said, you know, yeah, totally worth a watch. It's about an hour long. Um, it's conceived as a prequel to the Harry Potter films set in the life of uh, Tom Riddle uh, becoming Voldemort and a character that uh, is sort of tracking him, um, trying to establish whether or not he's a murderer connected to this case. Um, it's an Italian cast, but it's done in English. Um, and yeah, it looks looks kind of neat um you can watch it on youtube we'll put the the link up in the show notes um yeah it just looks like it could be sort of a fun little digression i i am not a huge fan of fan films uh, i've seen some good ones i've seen some awful 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 ones i know tim uh, has followed some of the star trek ones um but this this looks pretty cool yeah oh wow sounds like it's pretty popular then yeah yeah although i again i think uh you know with the, the litigious nature of society <laughs> i think it's uh obviously they're guarding that franchise pretty pretty closely warner brothers obviously has invested a few bucks and made several billion bucks off of that franchise so i think uh people might not be uh too, too willing to get involved apparently they according to wikipedia they spent uh 15,000 euros on making this picture this this uh unofficial fan film so that's pretty low value and you know I, I guess if people are willing to throw the money into it cool yeah it's a little surprising i'm i'm a little surprised that they haven't done more uh, with that universe where it seems like there's still a lot of uh fan fervor and a lot of interest in it anyway so a friend of mine posted on facebook a lady friend of mine and um, i just want to get your opinion on this this film but somebody's gone through and done a a cut of the last jedi where they cut all of the women out of it uh yeah i read that today what do you think about that that's kind of weird penisy right yeah yeah that's (laughs) um i i I can't even rationalize how somebody thinks that way i just uh i don't i don't get it (laughs) yeah i don't either yeah it's it's uh, like cutting out jar jar binks in a sense but very sexist right yeah, yeah. at least like I, I don't necessarily agree with like like i have seen the cut of uh the phantom menace without jar jar yeah um and it, it still makes enough sense this seems more like um like a political statement and yeah. a very sexist one that where like the, the movie can't possibly make sense without the very critical women characters like like the lead of the movie yeah yeah so so luke's just talking to himself the whole time yeah and ben and uh yeah ben what's his name as well kylo ren right yeah like it's, it's like it's full of a bunch of people who are hearing voices in their heads like I, yeah i don't get it right, right. yeah 
that's that's pretty dopey. I, I did see a piece, and I, I can't remember the exact details this week, but it I did. Uh, you know, it was it was an interesting one where they were talking about the fact that between Wonder Woman and uh, Star Wars, and I can't remember what the third picture was. It was three films that were all with female leads, and they said that it was the first time in since they started tracking the box office uh, mm-hmm. totals that all three of the top grossing movies were all headlined by women. Really? Wow. Yeah. And, and mm, interesting. Know, that's awesome. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. interesting. This whole sort of unwritten rules thing. Uh, George was on Q talking about, or Stromalopoulos was on Q talking about Dolores O'Riordan, who just passed away. And he was saying that back in w- when the Cranberries came along, there was an unwritten rule with the program directors not to play two women, two songs by women in a row. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> that's yeah that's oh beauty and the beast that was the other one. Oh, Be- beauty and the beast was the other because uh, emma emma watson right right okay cool so what was the what were the three movies uh wonder woman right oh okay star wars the last jedi and beauty and the beast and i think they were talking about the united states specifically i think that was the uh highest grossing movies of the year for for the united states hmm. oh i see the three okay i see what you're saying okay but uh yeah i mean obviously the lead of all three of those movies is, is a woman and you know that's an excellent milestone and something we should you know pay attention to hopefully hollywood actually pays attention and yeah, i don't know make sure that we see a little bit more of that i mean obviously they're fast tracking wonder woman for a part two but beyond that hopefully we'll see uh you know more female uh main roles and you know i think with patty jenkins doing such a kick-ass job on wonder woman maybe we'll see a few more uh, of them behind the camera too yeah i mean it's good to see that you know in the last 50 years we've made progress with you know the position of women in society and then then you know somebody gets elected and sets it all back well <laughs> And here, here's my call for the next one. How about a woman of color? Like, let's let's, let's oh, yeah. notch. can we can we can we aim a little higher? Right, right. Yeah. Well, that's maybe why they were sort of seeing Oprah, right? Yeah. Well, no, I mean for for Star oh, in these the movie. movies, you know, it's, okay. it's nice that it's three women, and that's a huge, excellent milestone. But let's maybe take it up a notch and have sure. a few more yeah. uh, more people of color uh, represented, and women of color particularly. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So we have we we should do Hamid's pick before my internet blows up again, which is what I think yeah. the problem was. Yeah. So my pick. Um, unfortunately, so I, I completely forgot about the fact that you um, were unable to see this in Canada. Um, hmm. But I saw the Black Lightning premiere on the CW this week. Oh wow, really? Ooh. So uh, maybe maybe we can talk about it a little bit more <laughs> next week, I guess. So Jonathan fires up his little dark internet. Oh, I'm gonna yeah. excuse me. I need to go on Twitter for a minute. Excuse me a minute. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I like the premiere. I like the the setup that they have for it. It's a very different kind of kind of feel than the other CW shows. Um, uh, as I've said on the show before, I'm a fan of, of the Supergirl series. This this definitely has some moments where it feels CWE, um, kind of like the other Arrowverse ones. But uh, this definitely has its own its own flavor to it. And the setup of having um, having a character who has been a superhero before and given it up since, and and dealing with a lot of um, race related undertones uh, and sometimes explicit overtones is uh, is kind of interesting. So I'm I'm very interested to see how they they move forward with this because the the premiere is actually pretty solid it's pretty tight it's you know it fit within a normal one hour so it must be about 45 minutes worth of content given commercials and everything so uh, i'd say uh, if you can check it out um then we'll probably talk about this at least a little bit at, at some point in the future so if we can check it out i wonder how we're going to do that jonathan hmm. so i think you guys are getting it right just delay <laughs> yes maybe i will definitely wait till next week when it is on yeah Netflix why canada yeah that is what i intend to do yeah yeah if this story needs to stick into it yeah <laughs> um i need to go 
read up a little bit more about the character. Um, I'm only vaguely familiar with, with Black Lightning. Um, I, I'm definitely cognizant of the fact that it's a character that comes out of the black exploitation era, probably of like the 60s, 70s, like Luke Cage and, and on the movie side, Shaft. Um, but it still has some of that heritage, but they seem to have um, modernized it quite a bit. So it, it seems rather uh, appropriate for modern audiences. Yeah, I think uh, it, it's interesting. I've, I've read a lot of positive reviews. It's definitely something I'm going to watch. And uh, I, the character had a really nice renaissance uh, in the early 2000s. They sort of brought him in and he became a member of the Justice League again. Uh, he lost the 1970s Afro uh, and went with the more modern Michael Jordan shaved head look. Um, <laughs> and and they made him into a really badass character. But they they did very similar thing to what I believe they're doing in the show, which is that they, uh, they made him a grown man. He's not a young man in his 20s. He's supposed to be an established uh, adult in his 30s, at least, if not 40s. Um, he's supposed to have, you know, daughters. He's had a life. He's got life experience. He's, you know, grounded in, in that way. And that was uh, somewhat refreshing in that, they, you know, we, we've had a lot of bad, uh, angry black character kind of characters over the years in comic books that are sort of superficial and, and a little one dimensional. Um, mm-hmm. It was nice to have him portrayed as a character uh, of maturity and depth and and you know wisdom and and experience and uh and that that played really well in the comic books jeff johns uh did a, a nice run on um, justice league starring him that i really enjoyed and uh i'm hoping that that's what the series will be is that same you know uh, portrayal of an experienced character yeah you know who's who's not just you know oh my gosh i don't know what i'm doing because we've seen the ingenue superhero story so many times over again but the i'm dragged back into superhero dumb is something that hasn't been done well so right. and i just looked this up because i was like was he black vulcan on super friends and black vulcan apparently uh, according to wikipedia here was a made-up yeah. hero for the show because they could not use black lightning due to some sort of dispute between dc and black lightning's creator tony isabel yeah. so that, that's about as close as uh, familiarity as i had of like oh they probably just like renamed it so it seemed a little less weird um next yeah. next coming okay. next year on cw apache chief <laughs> yeah the, the, and the, the samurai guy whoever that dude was i can't remember that character's I, name I, I think it was just called Samurai. Because why Why go <laughs> gets, all the way out to get a name when you could just call him Samurai? Yeah, it, it's so of that time period to be like, there's a black superhero. We got to name him Black something. <laughs> like black Lightning, Black Panther. I'm like, well, that seems a little racist. <laughs> I mean, you, you don't have like Barry Allen, the White Flash. I'm like, you know, that actually is a little bit more on brand. <laughs> there's no Black Lightning, but there are White Flashes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, personally, I'm looking forward to the uh, uh, Gleek and the Wonder Twins uh cw show that's going to eventually come up with uh, gleek the super monkey and uh yeah it's right you know they're gonna go go all in right all right well we gotta wrap it up because i probably have to reboot my mac um so uh hey jaime if people want to find you on the interwebs where would they look i'm on twitter as at dev with the hair all right and jonathan if people want to find you up they want to find me up they can find me on twitter as (laughs) jpk news all right okay and as i said before my name is timitra t-i-m-m-i-t-r-a on the twitter machine is the way to get a hold of me and until next week we'll see you in the future bye 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 if you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes visit the spockcast website at spockcast.com you can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on twitter at spockcast if you have feedback or questions send us a tweet with the hashtag askspockcast If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com 
slash Spotcast. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening and we'll see you in the future. <laughs> All right, so here's your useless information for the night. Okay. The city of Toronto has released its list of licensed dog names. Every single dog in the entire city by name. Okay, cool. Yeah. So here's your question, Tim. How many dogs named Macintosh are there in the city of Toronto? 147. There are two. You're kidding me. In the entire oh, wow. city of Toronto, there are two. Wow, and really? You are the so, proud owner of one of them. Wow. Huh. He's, on the, he's on the couch. He was on the couch. So, um, what's the number one name? Number one name for dogs in the city of Toronto is Charlie. Not Charlie. 792 dogs named Charlie in the city of Toronto. Wait, so how many names are on this list? Uh, let's see. I've got the Excel. I think the dog catcher's got some work ahead of him. I got the Excel file. So this is, uh, it has a full list of names. I don't know if it has a full list of, because they're, they're by number. Okay. Uh, let's see. There are 11,347 names, but then there are hundreds. Right. Uh, uh, of different names that are used multiple times. So I see. So so what's the set? What's what's the top five names? Top five names: Charlie, Bella, Max, Molly, and Buddy. Buddy. Okay. And how many Kirby's are there? There are twenty-four Kirby's. Wow. With spelt with a K, like yours. Spelt with a K, yeah. like ours. Yep. Twenty-four. And ha- how many? How many Poyos? I. You know what? I haven't got that far down on the list yet. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I would imagine there's too many. I'll put that in P-O-Y-O's. The, I'll, I'll put that in uh, next week's uh, correction. I, I haven't had time to look. I just actually just downloaded the list before we went on the air. Yeah. So I uh, I did not have a chance to get down to the Poyos, but I if I had to guess, not a lot. Let's see. I'm, wow. I'm going to yeah. skip ahead because it's all done alphabetically. I'm going to skip ahead down to the very low numbers and see if I can. Oh, like they have the name and then they have the number beside it? Yeah. Or? Yep. Yep. Or, but I mean, or they have the top, like top names. It's, top and it's the... done numerically, but then numerically and alphabetically. So you, you do the number and then you do the thing. Oh, okay. The, like it gives you the name and then. Yeah, Where did you get this list from? Uh, believe it or not, it's from the city of Toronto. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, there is actually a list of cat names also, if anyone really, really cares. Yeah, yeah. So what's what's cat name? How many pixels were there? Uh, you know what? I knew you were going to do this to me. I did not download the cat name. Here we go. <laughs> okay, I, don't, don't worry I'm about it. I'm downloading it right now. There we go. It's going to take like six seconds. There we go. It's done. Cat names. Number one cat name, Charlie. Kitty. Oh, my what? God. <laughs> is this like a Canadian thing? Like, uh, what, Was there like a famous Charlie in Toronto? <laughs> Number two cat name. Like a Charles de Gaulle? Equipment. Molly. Molly. <laughs> Max, Bella, Smokey, and Tiger. The same name for the cats and the dogs. No, number 15 at 95, 95 cats named No Name. Oh, really? So the, well, so you know, the city of Toronto whose name is Cat. Well, so wait a minute. You're supposed to, like, I know and people license their dogs because they're obvious, right? But I don't think people license their cats, even though they're supposed uh, to. In Mississauga, right? you are obliged to license your cat. We uh, have a 
lace hat. We, we are obliged to do it here in Toronto, but I, I'm pretty sure most people don't. Yeah, I, I would say that is probably accurate for most people here. Unfortunately, the person whose responsibility is to go apparently door to door knocking around to see if they can find any uh, would-be suckers who have to pay this cat tax yeah, uh, happened yeah. to pop by when my wife was out in the yard one day a few years ago and said, do you guys have any cats? And she didn't give it a second thought and said, yeah, we have two. And they said, great, here's the bill. <laughs> so nice. the two cats that I didn't want living in my house, they got they got cat taxed. Uh, and nice. so we continue to pay for the one that is still uh, still with us. Still around, yeah. Mm-hmm. I am going way down on this list. I can't imagine. Did you pay your cat tax? Because that's the only way that Pixel's name is going to be on here. Um, what cat? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, if you had a cat <laughs> and you wanted to pay your cat tax, because well, you, I suppose they could technically go back and retroactively, you know, subpoena the veterinarian records. The fact that I had one, you know, taken care of in the summer. So you, you don't know. Maybe uh, your wife got busted paying the cat tax without you knowing about it either. Put little, put little, uh, put little, you know, cement booties on them, and yeah. No, there um, are in fact no pixels on the list. Really, not, not one. Wow. So you had an original name clearly. So, so he didn't exist. So it doesn't. He's a work. He's a work of fiction. He's you know, a cat in um, Heinlein stories. Anyway, um, I'm curious though. What was I curious about? Okay, best. Oh, how many dogs? How many dogs named Vector? Vector. Oh, that's a good one. I'll look at. Yeah, that was Max. Name was going to be Vector, but I, I got I got outvoted. Okay, here's some of the highlight names because this is awesome. This is the the folks at Indie88.com did this earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the best names: Baba Ganoush. <laughs> so here you have to imagine though you're going to be Carol when we named Mac. She sort of said, "Yeah, you're going to be standing at the top of the park going Mac, come." So like I wanted to call him Ravi because we got on the day Ravi oh. Shankar died, right? But can you imagine? Ravi, <laughs> anyway. uh, Ravi, uh, okay, come. fat assassin. <laughs> <laughs> fat for short right or ass ass for short <laughs> yes that's right uh stevie licks <laughs> yeah of course uh-huh M- muttley crew muttley crew yeah mm-hmm. uh there are five dogs named burger two dogs named hamburger right right and any any um bulldogs named pot roast yeah there there are there's one dog named raptor three dogs named drake four dogs named norm and one dog literally named number sign six ix six the six, six oh yeah. the six no dogs named vince carter no apparently not <laughs> he's not he's okay, not popular and, uh, anymore yeah there's vince two who? dogs named luke, two, two dogs named luke skywalker of course yeah one named art vandalay from seinfeld from seinfeld uh-huh. art vandalay uh and particle entropy and pepsi king pepsi king pepsi king yeah yeah hmm. so some people are getting really inventive with their dog names yeah. but yeah so that was a good list thank you for uh for the good folks at the indie88.com right that was a lot of fun yeah but you can get the complete list of uh, and you can get it for all years past too you can get the 2016 15 14 13 12 lists from uh-huh. uh toronto.ca uh which is is a lot of fun to go through well i knew i paid my dog license for a reason now i know why right so, so that they can make these lists <laughs> yeah, clearly. yeah what else do they do with them i didn't see a full total though i, d- I didn't see what the the, the grand total of well i mean because what what's the population of toronto is like two almost three million people right yeah it's it's way up there so it's got to be like more like they say there's more cats than people yeah but your city is overrun with wildcats also yes that's, well that's like, true in mississauga you, you but all of our dogs are licensed though <laughs> but yeah well yeah and some people don't choose to license their cats which i've heard is a real yeah, problem it, in your city yeah some yeah, i've heard of that too yeah. <laughs> on that note i think we should go in fact we have yeah. to do another podcast so we do have to go all right all right all right talk, talk to, you, to later. you guys later right. bye see you guys bye, bye. 
Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.